Podcast, a Ween podcast with Shane and Rory. Hey, what's up? This is Shane. And this is Rory. And this is Weencast. And we welcome you to a new episode. Welcome back, everybody. Chilling for a little bit, but we're happy to be back. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Yeah, we hope that everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. And what what better time than to get caught up on all your Ween podcast listening than right now? Am I right? So we're here to... Uh... <laughs> We're here to say what's up to everybody, and uh, we want to yeah, talk about Yeah, while you're doing, while you're cleaning your house again, um, <laughs> I don't know about anyone else out there, but I, at this point, I've cleaned the house a few times. <laughs> My house has never been cleaner, uh, and I know that when I'm cleaning, I like to uh, throw in a podcast. Yeah, you know, throw in the, the earbuds and uh, and listen to uh, listen to a couple of podcasts, you know. So no at this one point, in the house has to know you're listening to a Ween podcast. You just have the ear earbuds in. Yeah. I think probably everyone except me is probably all caught up on every single podcast ever because um, I usually listen to them in the car and I haven't been in the car at all. So <laughs> I don't have that luxury, but um, we hope everyone out there is, is doing well and is safe and healthy. Before we go back and talk about the show from our youth that we're going to get into, uh, we just want to do a quick reminder that we have stickers available. If you want a sticker, hit us up on Patreon. It's Patreon dot com forward slash weencast podcast uh just a dollar a uh, dollar per month and we'll send you out probably a handful of stickers actually uh if you'd like a couple of stickers hit us up on patreon um and we also have the sound of urchin uh digital download codes that uh, tomato from sound of urchin had gifted to us um i don't have any of the bonus cds left but i still have the rejoice download codes which come with extra tracks and the black castle download codes which also come with extra tracks the liner notes um original sound of urchin uh you are the best stickers and of course we'll throw in a couple of our own stickers 10 bucks so email us weencastpodcast at gmail.com or uh just hit us up on facebook and let us know and we'll have uh we'll have a couple of those out to you right away. So yeah, if you're check interested, us out, out there on the check us out there on the interwebs. Yeah, hit us up on the interwebs, man. You know, why not? What else are you doing? <laughs> so. Hey everybody listening to Weencast Podcast. This is your old pal August Forming here, aka Fred Moore. And I want you all to tune in to my invitational radio show, WINV. It's recorded at the Invitational in New Hope, Pennsylvania. What I do is I select a invitational and I play songs from it. I narrate and tell stories. It's a lot of fun. So please sign up for my YouTube page, which is Fred Moore. And now back to Weencast Podcast. We're going to go back in time again tonight and we're going to talk about another show from our youth this is about two months after the last show that we saw so this is going to be july 21st 2000 in pittsburgh pa at the metro pole industrial dancing club in pittsburgh aka just the metropole yeah just metropole so the last time that we had saw them was our last episode which was the end of uh, May at the Electric Factory in Philadelphia, and they were on tour 
pretty much the entire month of June is just like jam packed with dates, June and July. And then they are sort of coming to a close as far as the stateside tour dates for 2000. So it's like the end of July would have been them closing out the U.S. dates and then about to start their foreign tour shows. Yeah, they've, this is a this marks a period this uh, this year two thousand of substantial touring. Um, oh they yeah, are, I, you know I, I should have added up the number of tour dates and um, maybe I will afterward after I get off this podcast. But man, uh, they I mean they have a couple tours during this year to begin with. So there's a lot of um, a lot of tour dates at the end of nineteen ninety nine and the. Now, all of 2000 this is a heavy touring time and so so yeah this show comes at uh just about at the end of the north american part of that uh they have a uh, we'll get into all of the details but you know they have a, a kind of a one and a half shows as it were right after this and then a short break and then they're going overseas um so it's definitely an interesting time uh crossroads as it were yeah yeah dude pittsburgh pa it's always I good wonder to, get to see a show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I I wonder if 2000 is is the the most like toured year. Like if there's more dates in the year of 2000 than any other year, because um, it probably is. I I just that just crossed my mind just now. But I mean, when you look at Brown Base, I mean, it's just like you know jam packed with dates. I mean, it has yeah. to be if it's not the top year it's got to be in the top you know two three you know as yeah, far as absolutely. the number of shows that they played that year in support of uh, white pepper yeah and for us i mean th- we're also in the middle of of a time period where we've seen them a lot uh, i was just commenting to yes to you about that before we started this podcast this is our sixth show in less than 12 months totally so so we've been hitting them up a lot too um and then ironically, I'm looking ahead at my list, and I only see them once in 2001. I think they still had a good amount of touring, but uh, maybe not as much. But, uh, you know, obviously 99 and 2000, there's a lot of lot of touring going on. So we've been seeing them a lot during this time period as well. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, dude, so uh, shall we get into it? Yeah, totally. So I think when we had planned to go to this show... Uh, you know, you and a couple of our other friends were going to Penn State at the time. So I think this is probably like like the second one of, of our shows that we had seen where we had sort of made State College like our kind of like home base. And I, I honestly, I can't remember like what, you know, what job I had at the time or, or whatever I was doing. But my and same thing with my brother, but my brother Craig and I came up to State College. This was a Friday night. So we probably just like got done work early or just like, you know, called in sick or something and just came up to state college for like the middle of the day. And then um, we hooked up with you, our friend Corey, uh, his girlfriend at the time. And we had sort of like went from there now from state college, which is sort of like the like the center of Pennsylvania. It's still a few hours to Pittsburgh. So how far how far is that then? Yeah, you know, it's something like two and a half hours or so. Okay. Um, as I recall, Craig drives pretty fast, so he probably did it faster than that. 
Yeah, but, Craig um, was driving, and he and had, I think if you do it like in the middle of the night, I think it's like a two, you know sort of middle of the night with no 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 traffic problems at all, and you're flying. I think you can do it in like two hours, okay. but I think it's more like two and a half. Yeah, so that's not so bad. Kind of thing. So no, it's not bad. Um, that was summer break because this is July. Uh, I was probably just working at the ga- a gas station at that time, doing some scrub work. But, uh, <laughs> I don't really remember what was the, what that was all about. But yeah, dude, so we drove down, it was me, you, and your brother Craig, so this is another show that Craig was a part of. So he's hitting him up pretty good at this time period with us. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, so... And then our friend Corey and... and Li- Did you already say this? I'm sorry, and Lydia. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, um, but yeah, so they drove down, Corey and Lydia drove down in a uh, minivan, and me, you, and Craig drove in his Saab. Yeah, so Craig was That's driving his... He had a Saab... So he drove me to to state college, and then and then drove from there up to uh, or out to Pittsburgh, I should say. the The one crazy memory about the beginning of this show that I had, and I still I still have this as a as a relic from this show. I must have done like phone in will call tickets because I think this is still a little bit too early to like buy your tickets online you know now we're talking about this is 2000 so like the internet is you know uh is definitely up and running and taking over the the universe but it was still a little um it was still a little like rudimentary in you know like oh i'll just order the tickets online boom i'm done i don't really think that was you know that was still like in its infancy so i think i had phoned in our tickets like will call and when we got there you know, you just give them your name or whatever, and they gave us these tickets, but they weren't actually Ween tickets. Like, they didn't say Ween <laughs> on them, okay? They were tickets for either there or, like, some other concert venue that they, like, worked with, and they were for Richard Jenny, the comedian. It was <laughs> wow. no, actually no, no longer with us. The late, great Richard Jenny, platypus man. I mean, I was a fan. Yeah. I still am to this day. But why and how? Man, you loved them. You loved them the most. I, I knew right away who he was, but I was kind of disappointed to not get an actual ticket that said fucking ween on it. You know, like, th- this does not go good with my, you know, ticket stubs. You know, what the fuck, man? You know, so. it, it makes it a cool story, though. It makes it a cool story. <laughs> well, and the fact that, you know, Richard Jenny is no longer with us, it's like, okay, you know, God bless, rest in peace. God bless. Get that up know. on eBay for like a thousand bucks, you know? Yeah. Like, get rich on that. <laughs> so, so I do still have my... My ticket stub uh, that says Richard Jenny. I don't. Like a... You you you've kept much better track of that kind of stuff than I. <laughs> it just, and I'm a I vagabond. Think... I'm a vagabond, Shane. I can't hold on to things like that. Yeah, I I understand. You know, and it just, I think Rolling it just has like gathers a, no ma- no moss. I think the the ticket just has like a slash through it. It's like yeah, we got leftover Richard Jenny ticket stubs. Whooshed, <laughs> put a black line through that shit. So, but I I do still have mine. So that was kind of, you know, one of the memories about, like, the beginning of that show and getting there and and whatnot. From what I remember, at least where they put on the concerts, I think there might have been a couple of different, like, rooms within the the Metropole from my... It was the only... The first and only time I was ever there. And... Yeah, me too. I I believe it's now defunct. I don't think it's it's open any, any longer. From my recollection... The layout was sort of similar to, like, the Trocadero. Like, there was a floor in the center right in front of the stage where you could stand on the floor, and then there were sort of, like, risers on, like, either side. Like, you could stand to the left, and you'd be up sort of, like, a couple of feet 
or on the right and be up a couple of feet. And then in the back was sort of like a bar, again, like sort of right in the middle. And on the back of that bar, sort of right directly opposite from the stage, was a huge fish. It was just a big, I, I don't really remember exactly what it looked like, but I just remember a big fish. It was either like a like a wooden like sign kind of thing, or might have even been like a banner, like just like a Doesn't flag. Doesn't Diener mention the fish painting during the show? I was actually going to mention that later. He, I thought he said something about fish, and, it, and 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 while listening to the show, I guess I just assumed it was the band Fish, but maybe he was talking about the painting. I think th- I think they mentioned it a, a few times because they're just like, oh, that fucking fish, like he's fucking with me, you know, or whatever. It's just a big, I I can't remember if it was like wood or if it was like a cloth thing or whatever, but it was like directly in back of where like you stood. It would be like behind you. So if you, you know, if they're on stage, they're looking out, they just see this fucking fish. It was just like the weirdest thing, just like this big fish, you know, there and, and I don't know where, like what that was from or, you know, what that's in reference to, but I totally remember it. Um, yeah, that's a good memory, dude. I, I don't, I don't remember that. And, uh, and, uh. That totally helps clue in some of the things they were saying during the show. So if there are people, memory. if there are people from the Pittsburgh area listening to this, like hook us up with the fucking fish. You know what I mean? Come on, like there's got to be some photos of that somewhere. You know, yeah. Somebody has to know Any what we're talking going, about. Anyone that's been to the Metropole back in the day, you know about this fish. Yeah. Chime in, please let us know. Yeah, I want to know about the uh, fish. We would love to hear about it. But yeah, dude, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of uh, memories of. This is another show where I guess I've kind of just stuck myself up close and sort of just focused on the show. I don't have a lot of memories of the actual venue. But yeah, dude, um, so that puts us right there, and Ween is about to play. Uh, Shall I read the set list? Yeah, please do, man. All right, so this set list, um, we're going to start off with Ice Castles, and we got The Grobe, She Wanted to Leave, uh, Spinal Meningitis, Piss Up a Rope, Up on the Hill, Take Me Away, don't get too close to my fantasy. Even if you don't, waving my dick in the wind, Dr. Rock, Pandy Fackler, Bananas and Blow, Voodoo Lady, Back to Basem, Band on the Run, Ocean Man, Puerto Rican Power, Touch My Tutor, You Fucked Up, Buckingham Green, Roses Are Free, She Fucks Me, The Mollusk, Stroker Ace, I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot, I Can't Put My Finger on It, and then the encore is the enabler and drifter in the dark. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's funny. They start with three songs from White Pepper. Well, and... two two songs from White Pepper and then and then the mollusk, but they're all sort of Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, but, of course. But but they're all sort of like slow songs. Yeah. And that's one thing I noticed right away when going back and listening to this show again is it kind of like it takes a little bit for it to sort of like kick in, you know, it started, it, it like starts off slow and then like has to like build like some momentum. It's really sort of like the first like six songs, because if you look, the seventh song that they play is take me away. And that's sort yeah. of like, okay, you know, enough fucking around. Boom. Let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. it definitely like sort of takes a little bit for things to get like cooking you know, whereas for the majority of shows, they'll just come out swinging and they'll just play something, you know, they'll play like Take Me Away or something like fast and like hard hitting, you know, Yeah. if not the first song, like the second song. So, you know, it, it definitely sort of like starts off a little on the slower side. 
Yeah, dude, and, and White Castles, it's like, that's kind of, I don't know if that feels like an opener no. song. And so that's kind of a weird, I was actually just trying to see if I could figure out um, if it, how many times it's been used as an opener on uh, Brown Bass. Good but, question. Um, it, it's just like starts your show off, and it's crazy to think like this is the penultimate show of the tour. There's there's one other, sh- this was, I think, maybe meant to be the finale for the tour, but there ends up being a show, one more show after this, and then they do the Dave Letterman show. Yeah. So this is like, this is like the culminating, one of the culminating shows. And so to open with Ice Castles, it's it's kind of mellow. You you think you want to start something a little more upbeat. So that's kind of interesting choice to start. And you're right, it kind of starts slow. And that's it's interesting. My memory of the show was that it was sort of a mediocre show. And there's a few reasons for that that we're going to get to as we talk. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the reasons, and, and to be fair, after re-listening to it, I f- remember it. I, I now realize the show's better than what I've remembered. Agreed. But, um, but I think one of the reasons is because it does have this like kind of weird, slow start. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and it takes a little while to get going, but you do have a few really awesome rarities up on the hill, on the hill, like when that comes, that when that comes on, like up to that point in the show, I'm just kind of like, okay, like slow start. Um, you know, we've seen, all, you know, these are regulars at this point. Spinal meningitis, piss up a rope, is like the only song that, like at this point, they they usually that's one of the few songs from Golden Country Greats that is even getting any p- coverage at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, but then they play up on the hill, and it's kind of like, wow, that's awesome, right? Yeah, that's and, cool. Um, and you go back in time a little bit to like, don't get too close to my fantasy. Uh, even though most of the songs from this show are from white pepper and the mollusk and chocolate and cheese. Um, they have a few older songs mixed in and don't get too close is always a classic, even if it's played pretty often. Yeah. I mean, what else you got? I'm trying to look like go in sort of chronological order here, but I felt like they really destroyed voodoo lady. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that is sort of like the, um, you know, I don't want to say like the first like stand now, like you said, you got up on the hill there. Um, and then, you know, there's some, there's some other really great songs in there, but you know, at this point, you know, we had seen them enough times and you know, it's, it's sort of becoming a little like, you know, like the stuff that gets the standard, like, you know, length and everything like that. Nothing gets really too funky. And then, um, this is a, a kicking rendition of Voodoo Lady. Um, Totally on the fucking tube, um, you know, uh, the the talk box. Um. Yeah, and I, I think there's a time in the middle of it, or toward the end there, during that whole jamming part, where, where Glenn is kind of getting funky on the keys as well. It's definitely a little bit different rendition of Voodoo Lady, I think. Absolutely. Like some of that, some of that in the jam, and that was cool. Um, and I, I was realizing that... that um, at the risk of sounding cliche, because Voodoo Lady is obviously a really heavily played song, mm-hmm. but like they're really playing it well during this time period, and and I feel like it's a testament to the five piece band, you know, like they are like at the height of their powers at this point. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about that with the 420 show at Rutgers, and and they are really at the height of their powers. They played these songs enough together that they, that they have them down, and they know each other well enough as musicians that they're allowing each other to kind of have some fun. And so, so totally, you really man. do have a lot of really good versions of these jam songs at the, during this time. You know, another one from this show that is another standout for me is Can't Put My Finger On It. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I, I, again, I know it's not like a total rarity, 
it's definitely played a lot, a good amount, but they, you know, that's an awesome rendition of that song. Absolutely. Well, you You know, know, another like jam. Yeah. As far as the jam outs go. Um, well, after Voodoo Lady, they do uh, Back to Basem. And then after that, Band on the Run. Yeah, from, dude. That's the only Sir time Paul. I've ever heard them play that. Yeah. It's so awesome I, to get a little McCartney wings, you know? You know, that that's kind of like one of those tunes, you know, kind of like when they played Ohio at uh, at the Electric Factory that I, I had kind of like forgotten about because I think at the time, you know, we're still young and like, I, you know, I have to admit, like, I... I did not really get into like my Beatles or, you know, Paul, John, uh, knowledge until like after this. So I probably didn't even really, I probably didn't even really know like band on the run at the time. Late bloomers on that. Sorry, Beatles. (laughs) You know, it's like it, it happens to some, to everyone at some point in their life, but you know, it's probably not going to happen when you're like, you know, 16 17 years old i mean maybe now it it does but you know back then you know it's not like you're just it's not like you're just giving the beatles anytime you want to hear it like you are now you know or or paul solo songs or whatever but i didn't even remember that they played that song at all you know what i mean and then going back and listening to this it's like holy shit are they actually going to play this whole thing it wasn't just like a tease it was the whole song yeah, dude, and it occurs to me how they really are um, throwing in a few covers here and there back in this time period. Like, because you just mentioned Ohio from the other show, and I know I mentioned that that I think the uh, Electric Factory show had two covers, right? They did uh, Hoffer Teacher, so and like, Hoffer Teacher, yeah, like, yeah. So they're mixing, and there's actually a second cover at this show as well, The Enabler, which is Instant Death, which isn't fully a cover because that's Dave and all, but but like. It's like, damn, they're actually throwing in a couple things here and there that isn't Ween. Yeah, yeah, and and the fact that, you know, if you go on Brown Bass, they only have played that 32 times total. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty, pretty rare. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome, yeah, man. That, that's pretty rare. Uh, and a, and a yeah. great rendition. It sounds, it, it, honestly, it sounds just like fucking Paul and his band and, and Wings. Like, it's, it's, it's like spot on. It, there's nothing about it that's you know, uh, any lesser than, you know, Paul himself. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know, Puerto Rican, uh, Puerto Rican power, you know, that was definitely that time period that was totally rocked out a lot. I think another dude, awesome touch my tutor song. is great. Yeah. Oh. Dude, touch my tutor. Absolutely. That takes me back to the 420 show, right? I did touch my tutor for that, I believe. And great tune. I'll be your Johnny on the spot was a, um, a really good jam. Yes. So basically, and since we're we're kind of cutting to, oh, well, you know, we should bring up She Fucks Me is in there. And that's, you know, that's not as much of a rarity, but it, it, it to me, it, it still jumps out because it's just kind of like an odd song that's kind of slow and is another one of those like older tunes that you just doesn't, it just doesn't really seem to like fit. And it's like, you know, not that I dislike it, but it's like, you know, I, I I question why it like gets thrown in there at all. But uh, cool, cool yeah, tune. Yeah, that's a legitimate question. I mean, the show, this show definitely struggles with the vibe sometimes. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting. Like the Metropole, you know, there's more to it than that. Uh, but you can read Diener's diary when he was doing the tour diary back then, and 
they didn't end up feeling like this was a very great experience. Well, right. Um, well, we'll we'll get to that like at the at the at the very end. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah. But um, but nevertheless, I feel like it's it's permeating the show a little bit. Right. Well, once you get once you get to the end of the first set, you got "I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot," followed by "I Can't Put My Finger on It." "I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot" is a great fucking jam. Okay, for this show in particular, it has a very like Middle East kind of vibe, uh, a lot like yes. when they play "Camp on My Fingers like on a sitar. It. Yeah, like it has like a bit of like a sitar sound to it, and just a really fucking awesome rendition of it. Now, "I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot" is sort of like one of those token like jam outs, you know. Anyway, but this one is particularly uh, sweet. So you know that yes. is that is definitely worth going back and listening to that version of I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot, and then Can't Pull My Finger on It. That's another one that's kind of like, well, that's always good. You know, that's always jammed out, and that's always good. But again, you know, great, you know, stand standout of this show. The, but the biggest sort of, like, takeaway is the, those are the last two songs of the main set, and that's, like, the highlight of the, of the concert. You know, I think we had gotten a little spoiled by seeing like the 420 Rutgers show um and even like the Electric Factory show I'd have to go back and look quick but Buffalo you know, and uh and uh yeah Buffalo Toronto the year before like you know at this point we're expecting them to do like a full on like encore of like five six songs and you know probably another like long jam or like a crazy fucked up you know thing that just goes off the rails or something like that and for the encore, they, they do sort of mention it like we only got five minutes. And I don't think any of us actually like picked up on that and took it like seriously. It's a, yeah, whatever, you know. Well, you know, that he's just fucking with us or whatever. They play the enabler, which is cool. And Drifter in the Dark, which is definitely like a standout. And that's really cool. And I'm pretty sure that was the first time we had ever heard that live. And another great rendition worthy of going back and listening to. But, you know, we're expecting like another like half hour. And they had to fucking pull the plug because they were having like dance night or gay disco as Ween would refer to it after the fucking Ween concert. And like, we all had to get out. Yeah, dude, it was definitely a rush to, uh, to get pushed out. Uh, and all apologies, no offense intended. Uh, it was referred to as the gay disco. I don't know if it was because it was like LGBTQ night. Oh, no, or no, if no. They were like calling it gay disco yeah no they totally but, meant it in the worst sense of the word <laughs> and um but at any rate yeah so it, it all it sort of ended abruptly and drifter in the dark is such a cool song but then just to have the show end like that is weird because the show starts and ends on these weirdly weird notes and then we're just sort of hustled out yeah you, know, like you don't even get a chance to say goodbye one of the things i i remember in my own, you know, just from my own memory is, you know, leaving, being like, that was it? That was the end of it? Like, that is, is it really over? And then as we're walking out, seeing the line of people waiting to get in. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I just remember being so, like, appalled that they were doing this to, you know, us. And I know it's not, it's obviously, it's not the fucking band's fault, you know, and it's like, why would they do this? You know, why would, and you know, we probably should have, we probably should have found that out, but I guess I, it wouldn't have even crossed my mind that like, well, we know this show is going to be over at a certain time and you know, there's another thing happening here tonight. 
I never would have yeah, even thought about crazy. it. It's crazy to think that that a ween show had to end early enough for something else to start. Yeah. <laughs> so that so is that's sort kind of, of weird. Yeah, that was always like my takeaway about that show of just like, oh, it ended early because of the because of having dance night afterwards. And being like, fuck that yeah. shit. You know, that was always well, a thing that stuck out in my memory. But it is a good show in general. Yes, it, 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 I remember it. My memory is clouded by the abrupt ending, you know, and I think um, and I think that caught the band off guard, too. I don't know when they knew about it, but like, but yeah, there's definitely that sort of negative vibe. Um, but, but it was a decent show, and there are some great uh, jams and, and awesome renditions of songs. And yeah. definitely some great rarities. I mean, yeah. Enabler, that's just fucking crazy. You know? And, and Drifter in the Dark, that's awesome. So it's just weird how it ends with Drifter in the Dark, and then suddenly it's like, all right, we're out. And it's like, and then there was no, like, clapping and, like, chanting for 10 minutes. Oh, encore, encore, encore. And yeah. Then, and then it's like, even even to have them come out and, and bow again, you know? It was like, yeah. no, it's like, lights are on. You are out, dude. You got to get out. Yeah. And all these people were waiting to get in and were pissed off. You know, and it's funny, the show runs for, uh, according to YouTube, the YouTube video, two hours and just under two hours and 12 minutes and 40 seconds. And one thing I noticed about this show is there's a lot of pauses between songs. So it's like they took the good old time between songs a lot. And um, and to have two hours and 12 minutes, that's not a short show by any means it's not like super short no i mean you know, we like, totally got like, our money like an worth. hour and 45 minutes or something right but like but you're right we were getting spoiled with shows that were two and a half hours long two hours and 45 minutes long and so that is a little bit short but especially in hindsight thinking about all the the pauses and there were like times and it was like two minutes between songs i felt like of them just like sitting up there like you know piddling their thumbs like chatting with someone in the crowd or waiting for something and then you look back and be like, man, they had to cut it short. You know? Right, right. But, you know, the but other... it still ends up being a decent length and it still ends up being like a great show. It's just a little bit abrupt. Yeah. You know, it sort of ends a little bit abruptly. The other thing that's... Like a that's... drifter in the dark. Like they, they set us adrift in the dark. <laughs> you know? The other thing that's kind, of a, that's kind of a disappointment is, you know, when you look at the, you know, the rarities from this show, the enabler is still the rarest tune. So yes. according to Brown Bass, you know, as far as them Ween performing the enabler, it's only thirty one times. So that's the that's the lowest number of anything from this show. And yes. and they do have um Scott Byrne, who is the other half of Instant Death, along with uh with Dave, who sat in uh, as drummer and also um vocalist for the enabler. Um and I uh, to, to my knowledge, again, he's another uh, he's another one who's no longer with us. So rest in peace, uh, Scott. I think I saw him live uh, once or twice. But unfortunately, they start the enabler, and then I don't know. They're maybe like a minute and a half into it or something like that. It's, they're, they're legitimately like into it, and then Gina starts yeah. it over, and he just says something to the effect of like, "No, no, 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 no. Like we gotta we gotta start this shit over." So they start it over. Um, you know, they're from what I. From what I picked up on it, going back and listening to it, it's like, it's like, well, it didn't really seem to be that, like, fucked up. It sounded okay to me. You know what I mean? Like, just run with it. You know what I mean? But you, that's, you know, you know it, that's up to Papa. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Go ahead. It's a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer though because you think about how the show gets cut short and then they spent time on that song right. that, that uh, was restarted. And then it occurs to me that they he did the same thing at the Electric Factory. Did he start two months prior? Right, like where it was like they were into a song, The Grove, I think, and then they started completely over. Or back so to Basim, I think maybe back to well, Basim. That's a, me. yeah. I mean, that's a little different because that's just one of their like regular songs. That's kind of like a yeah. little bit more like humorous, like to me. But the Enabler, you know, I guess maybe he doesn't know it quite as well, or 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 whatever. You know, it's like you know something that should be like a highlight of this show, and something you know, like I would suggest. Okay, go back and listen to you know these like four or five tracks. The Enabler would definitely be one of them. But it kind of gets like fucked up because they have to like restart it. And yeah. it is a cool tune and it is a cool jam, even with being like restarted. But it kind of has that like interruption, you know? And it's like, yeah. you know, ah, fuck. So here you got a two song encore. And even the, the, the first one, which is a real standout and a real rarity, is fucked up. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, like th- that, that would have been cool to just have that just, just go, you know, go smooth. And, and and then Drifter in the Dark is ultimately mostly, isn't that just acapella, them singing, right? Well, but he does, I think it's Giner plays harmonica. Somebody is... is yes, 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 you're right. Yes, and the, the harmonica's big on that. And the yes. fucking crowd just okay. goes crazy when the harmonica comes yeah, in. I yeah. think, it, yeah, I think that's it's Papa. Fantastic. I think it's Papa Gino yeah, on harmonica. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. So yeah, that's but a I, really... I just meant like generally, it's like they're not all playing instruments. They're like, you know... Yeah, it's a little bit the, of... Uh, right, it's a little bit of like a more quiet... You know, kind of yeah. tune, yeah. Um, so that was always, like, know, my takeaway was, like, ah, it was cut short because of dance night afterward. You know, another thing that's interesting about this show that's definitely worth getting in there, Shane, and maybe you can lead us on this one, but tell us a little bit about Gin and Juice. <laughs> okay, so, uh, and and real quick, just in general, when you're going back and listening to this, it's on YouTube, and shout out to uh, Bugnish Bachwinkle. Um, of course. Who has the, the full-length show on, on YouTube. It's a little Always bit, and forever. Yeah, totally. So it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to hear the talking like in between tracks. Um the sound quality is decent. It's it's I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining, but it is a little bit hard to understand like what they're saying in between songs. But after I think it's Voodoo Lady, Diener throws in We never recorded gin and juice, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Because there's people in the crowd yelling for gin and juice. So what that's about Anybody that might be a little bit on the younger side. So at the time, Napster was in like its heyday, okay? And there was this track that was floating around Napster. I think ultimately oh, it was... we all loved it at the time. It was the, it was the hippest thing. It was the coolest thing Oh my thing God. At the time. So basically it's like this crazy like bluegrass version of Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg. And it's just the most hilarious fucking thing. Yeah, we, we cracked up listening to this fucking thing. I mean, forget about it. But... I think the band that originally did it was called the Gourds, okay? Like in fall, you get a gourd, like a pumpkin. Um, But on Napster, you know, everyone's just labeling these tracks whatever they want to label them as. And I think it sort of got, like, passed around between being, like, a fish song or a ween song. It probably had a... Spaghetti Incident or a Spaghetti String string Cheese Incident? Yes, String Cheese Incident. So, like... I think probably every like hippie band at the time got credited as as doing that version of Gin and Juice. So there was definitely it's the same track. It was all the it was all the same like it's a studio recording. It's a it's not like a live like recording of it. But uh 
there was definitely files on Napster that said ween gin and juice. Yeah, totally. So there are people yelling for it like because they think it's a ween song. You know, like I'm pretty sure there were people that genuinely thought that was them and they were yelling out for it because they want to hear them play it. And <laughs> Diener has to tell them, like, it's not us. Like, it's not, you know, we never recorded gin and juice. So that's what he's talking about there. And that, yeah, we, we, fake news. Yeah, we, fake news, right. Before that was a thing. Yeah, fake news. (laughs) But that's an interesting little tidbit about that show because he actually acknowledges the whole gin and juice thing. That's what he's talking about. (laughs) A couple of other little things that they talk about in between shows. At one point, they announced that it's Dave's birthday, which is really weird because I don't think that it is. And I don't know. It's always someone's birthday. It's, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure that's another thing that Ween has done over the years. Like, if we just tell them it's so-and-so's birthday, they'll believe us because they don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Like, the crowd doesn't know, like, whose birthday it really is and whose yeah. it isn't. So, <laughs> so for this night, it was Dave's birthday, and they ask him what he wants to pick, so he picks Puerto Rican Power. He, they ask him what he wants to play, so he opts for Puerto Rican Power, which is a great pick. But I don't think it's really his birthday. <laughs> so... Interesting little little ditty there. And then I also wonder, was it really his pick, or was that just going to be what they play next? Yeah, right. Probably It probably was just what was going to be played next anyway. Um, yeah. But that's another, that's another way that they, that they fuck with us uh, um, as the crowd. So, yeah, man. There's a couple of little, other little things that they, you know, that they talk about before uh, Piss Up a Rope, Jeaner announces that uh, here's some feel-good music for you. After uh, Don't Get Too Close to My Fantasy, Jeter announces that he's losing his voice. Like, oh, my my voice is lost. I don't know that that necessarily was true. I felt like things were all right for the show. Maybe not. Well, he's probably just saying that because it's like the end of the tour. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, man, like, I'm just fucked. My voice is just fucked. <laughs> oh, and the end of that song, you know, definitely stretches the limit. Yeah, right. For sure. <laughs> uh, some excellent uh, screaming on uh, Dr. Rock. Yeah, always good screaming on Dr. Rock. But yeah, man, I mean that's that's pretty much that show. I mean Yeah, dude. It's I, got some it's got some good highlights, but it, it will it will never live up to not having to end early because of dance night afterward. Yeah, it was all crazy. So, you know, a little story I have at for the end is um someone that we didn't go to the show with but was there was this boyfriend of this coworker of mine. Or a former coworker of mine, and she was just like, "Oh, my my boyfriend's gonna be there. Oh, you know, I'll give him your name, you know." And um, and so I ran into him at the show, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's like this hippie guy, you know, like uh, we're." I was like 21 at the time, so he was a little bit older. He was probably like 24, you know, like like sort of just a little bit older, had a little hippie guy, and and so he's just like, "Yeah, dude, meet me after the show, you know, we're gonna you know go to this." this RV, you know, party. So, but, but I don't know what it was if he was just like a sketchy, you know, kind of a-hole or, or with the show kind of ending abruptly. And then, and we were all just sort of thrown out into the street, like cockroaches, like being forced out of an abandoned house, you know, just like everyone scattering, not really knowing what was going on. So I just remember after the show, like waiting for like a half hour for this guy at this like spot. He's like, Oh, wait here for me, man. And, like, never coming back. You know, like, never seeing that guy again. So, like, that's kind of sketchy. So, like, sketchy hippie guy, if you're out there, like, dude, 
it's all good. Let bygones be bygones. It's been almost 20 years, but you know, if you have, if you could explain yourself, I would appreciate it. Yeah, man, we want some answers, hippie guy. You know, but but yeah, no, and it's just funny how something like that, when you think about how the show ends abruptly and you have this weird like interaction, because because as I recall, we took I went home with Craig, but you went home with with the other vehicle. So I don't know if I was holding anyone up from leaving. You know, it's like, hey, man, I got considerations. Dude, I don't I don't remember. I just remember, like, I think um, from from my memory, I think I was like, oh, I'll just ride back with Corey and, and get to, like, catch up with him a little bit and talk to him on the ride home, you know, because we probably weren't going to see him the next day or, or whatever. And I think my, you know, my brother Craig and I just wound up coming back to State College, like crashing until morning and then and then leaving, um, yeah. you know, or maybe we like stayed for lunch or something and then and then left. But yeah, I don't remember that part at all. Like, I don't remember you being like, oh, I have to wait here for the guy to come back or any like, I don't remember that, you know, so in my mind, he's off the hook because I don't remember him like at all. Well, that's what I'm wondering is it may be that you just, you know, kind of left right away and then. Craig would have been old enough to go have a beer and maybe he could have been like, Oh, I'll have a beer. Or maybe Craig was even like, yeah, I'll party with you, Rory. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, we, I, we should have done a little bit more, um, <laughs> chatting with some of our old, you know, the, the other people that have read the show, you know, like preparing, but whatever. I don't but, think, um, I don't think, yeah, anyone... you know, they're, they're, I, I could I, totally I, see that being, being the case where Craig could be like, yeah, man, I'll hang out for a minute and see what's up with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry if I bailed on you. No, dude. I yeah. You no, know, I, I don't. I don't think there's any concern there. I I, I would but, have. Uh, I would have liked for you know that night. You know, like you, me, and Craig to just go on some crazy like Hunter S. Thompson adventure or something. I wish that would have happened. You know. Yeah. I know that. You know, it's funny because I don't. I don't think I really brought it up when we discussed the stage A and E show. So. Uh, some other interesting things that sort of related to this show. This is the second time they play at the Metropole in like in like an eight month period, but they've only played in like Pittsburgh like five times, I believe, around five times. So they only play in the Metropole twice, and this is the second one. But then they play at Club Laga three years later, and then they don't play in Pittsburgh again until the Stage AE in 2018. Now, Shane, you weren't at that show, but but I was at that show, and uh, we did a podcast for it, obviously. Yeah. And my uh, my brother-in-law Mike was at that show and long story short it's funny you mentioned Hunter Tom- Hunter S Thompson because cuz he kind of had like a Hunter S Thompson related adventure wandering around the streets of Pittsburgh until sunrise. But um <laughs> I can believe that. But yeah, so so you know no, so um so yeah, we don't have any, you know, crazy Hunter S Thompson story about, you know, going to an RV after the Metropole show. Well, I never, I never realized um, that they only played Pittsburgh that many times. If you look on, uh, if you look on Brown Base, there's a little blurb uh, when you look at this show from Diener's tour diary. And again, if you're, you know, if you're a younger fan, you might not even remember. Um, but at the end of each tour, um, Diener would write a little, like a sentence or two about like each show, and he like, you know, okay, this show this happened or whatever. Sometimes it was just like one sentence and then sometimes it would be like a whole paragraph or even a couple of paragraphs, you know, it wasn't usually wasn't a whole lot, but just kind of like the high, you know, a real quick little like snippet. Um, Mm -hmm. but he would do that for, for pretty much every tour after, after the fact. So, um, Brown base, they have his entry for this show. Unless you want to read it, Roy, I'll, I'll go, just go ahead. 
I'll go for it. Okay, for so it. this is from Diener's tour diary of this show. After months of hard touring, we thought we'd reward ourselves by finishing the tour in Knoxville and Pittsburgh. Jesus. Show got cut short because of gay dance night or something. Next time we go to Pittsburgh, we should book the gig into a urinal at the bus station, which would be a step up. So wow. that would be, those are some harsh words. And Sorry, and, Metropole. Yeah, and that would be the last time they would play the Metropole. So they played in 99 and 2000 in Metropole in Pittsburgh, and that was it. Yeah, and I'm so, looking at here now. It's six shows they've they've done. They did a show in '94, and then '98, '99, and 2000, and then 2003 and 2018. So, it's funny just because knowing they're a Pennsylvania band, you would almost think, oh, they would play in Pittsburgh more. But it's the east. If you don't know Pennsylvania, that's split in half. Like the Pittsburgh's the west, and Philly's the east. And, and, yeah. and they're definitely obviously much more the Philadelphia, New Jersey side. I mean, uh, of Pennsylvania. I've... I've lived but nevertheless in, yeah I mean I, I've lived in in Pennsylvania my whole life I've lived in, in eastern Pennsylvania my whole life and you know I've been to Pittsburgh you know probably like four or five times you know because it's yeah, just it's like interesting you could you could be to you know New York City in a shorter amount of time than you could be to Pittsburgh or um, you know from like the Philadelphia area. Or Baltimore. Well, it's true or, in that way, I guess. You know. You know, and, and and if you're in the Philadelphia area, there's a lot going on there to begin with. Not that Pittsburgh's an awesome place, and I have a great sure, time every time I go there. But it is legitimately but, um, far, you know. But yes, and if you're already in the Philly area or closer to Philly, certainly there's always these shows going on there, and there's always something going on there. And like you mentioned, New York and even D.C., it's like there's a lot of places sort of closer than Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, it's just like just because it's still Pennsylvania, it it's 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 a far trip, you know. I mean, yeah, and we mentioned it's a little state, but it, it's it, it it looks like a little state, but it's actually still wide. I guess. You know, like we <laughs> we mentioned that we went from State College to Pittsburgh. Well, my brother and I probably spent more time on the trip to State College because from yeah. where you know from where we live, I mean. That's a solid, you know, two and a half, three hours. It's more like closer to four, actually. It's it's between like three and four hours with regular traffic and whatnot. You know. Yeah. Now, to be fair, if you had gone straight to Pittsburgh, it'd have been shorter. But you were coming up to pick me up or whatever it was. So yeah. So I mean, that's you. a that's a long trek from like the eastern part of the state to Pittsburgh. So it's yeah. not like you know, it's not totally surprising that there wasn't more Ween shows played there but like I never realized that. I thought there would I thought there would have been more on on you know on the on the dates for for Pittsburgh. Um yeah. But as far as the metro well, pole goes, it just makes like, them more special. Yeah, 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 totally. As far as the metro pole goes, like you should have focused more on having concerts, you know? What what can we say? You know, proof is in the pudding. Yeah. <laughs> Without knowing more, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to besmirch them without knowing no, more. No, no, no. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, that probably, so. that was, I mean, hey, you know, it's industrial dancing at the Metropole. You know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. they're, that's what they're there to do. Um, I'm sure that the people going to that had a good time. Yeah, right. Right. Totally. You know, more power to them. Whatever anyone's into is cool. Um, yeah. Another little ditty, and I actually just came across this uh, not too long ago because my wife and I were going through some old uh, paperwork and stuff, and I found... Uh, a flyer for this show. So I don't have an actual ween um, ticket stub for this show, but I have the original flyer. Um, nice. And it's uh, it's it's two 
shows split like in half. It says Elko Concerts, an evening with Ween at the top, and then has the date and the Metropole logo and the address. And then right underneath that is July 34th, July 31st, which would have been the Reverend Horton Heat was also at the Metropole. So shout out to them. So that was the flyer was those those two bands were at the Metropole in in July. So so and I I'm looking at this that. I'm looking at this flyer and the one guy on the left of the Reverend Horton Heat's got the the cross showing, you know, he's got the necklace with the cross right there on his chest and uh-huh. he just looks like a serious young man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and oh oh with Revan Horton Heat I can see that Filthy Bastards and Dangerous Willie were the opening bands. That's 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 Shout a great, out to... that's like talk about an undercard, you know, Filthy yeah. Bastards and Dangerous Willie. If you're listening to this and you were in Filthy Bastards or Dangerous Willie, we'll want to hear from you. Yeah. So shout out to those guys also. Yeah. Um but you know what's you know what's kind of funny is there is a website on here which is elcoconcerts.com but it also says at the very bottom where you can buy tickets so there's a couple of uh, places listed there which must have been um, you know like local record stores and then charge by phone and the phone number so I'm pretty sure that's what I had did as I just phoned in that I want you know five tickets or whatever yeah um, so that was that show and then what is it two three days later. Uh, they would play one other show, which was Massachusetts, and then on 725, they played uh, at uh, the Ed Sullivan Theater for the David Letterman late late show yeah. with David Letterman. That's crazy! It's the only time ever. It's the only time that they were on that they were on Dave, and they played exactly where I'm at, which I'm sure you can find that on YouTube. Um, and I'm a I'm a huge Letterman fan. I've been a huge Letterman fan since I was 10 years old, uh, and that's the only time that we never played on Letterman. So that was just wow. a few days after that. So a very busy year for them, for not only us yes. going to see them, but just them in, in general. But that would be the yeah, last and time. and the White Pepper era too, you know. It was like they really were hitting that up pretty hard. Yeah, know? man, totally. So, you know, we talked – to paying dividends. Yeah, we talked a, a couple of times about, you know, the record company and, and – you know, putting up the tour to promote the album and yada, yada, yada. And that was a, that was a big one for, for white pepper. That was a big like push, you know, as far as tour dates and stuff like that. And well, it's a, it's a great album and it's, it's also a polished album, you know, like it's obvious that it's meant to be like, let's see if we can get some popular appeal out of this. Well, that was definitely the most, uh, the most like high fidelity album up to that point. It sounded the best by far. Of any of yeah. them in terms of like the production and everything, you know, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Totes, totes. But that would be the last time for that year that we saw because after that, then they started their, um, they started their, their foreign dates and they played Japan yes. and Germany and, and, uh, all, all over Europe. And then when they would come back, that would be it. Yeah. We'll see him again in, uh, April of 2001 as when I'll see him next, I believe yeah, Something dude, like and and this at this point, this is my eighth show and your ninth. And as I mentioned already, we had seen a, quite a few shows in that previous year. So uh, this is kind of like a, a little pause point for us too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, if they, yeah, if they weren't if they weren't playing shows, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. So, but it, it, looking back on it, it was a good show. It just is a shame that it was that the encore was cut short. It's not like they didn't play a full length show that 
you know, we didn't get our, our money's worth or anything like that. I'm glad to have gone, especially since there's only two shows that they played in that venue. I'm, I'm totally glad that we went and, and, and did it, yeah, you know, dude. and just going back to some of the songs that like, you know, like I said, I, I just completely forgot that they played like band on the run, you know, drifter in the dark l- listening to this uh version is definitely worthwhile going back and check it out so go back and listen to it you yeah know, th- dude that that's would what be i would say it's, it's definitely good and there's definitely some great uh deep cuts on there and another just c- good show another solid show from this era you know like you're, yeah. you're not gonna go wrong you're not yeah, gonna go totally. wrong yeah so unless you have anything else rory nah man i think we covered it pretty well uh thanks everyone for listening yeah anyone um, anyone who's listening to this please hit us up you know, Facebook, us, uh, Instagram, eh, you know, um, <laughs> I have to get into some more. I'll have, definitely have this flyer on Instagram, so, you know, that'd be fun. And a picture of my ticket stub, uh, the Richard Jenny stub. Yeah, dude, we're, we're out there on the social medias and the interwebs and all that, you know, figure yeah. it out. Check us, us out, Wingcast Podcast. Or just uh, send us an old school email. Think. Yeah, we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, charge by phone, you know, <laughs> well, however you need to work it out. Um <laughs> So yeah, dude, uh, everyone else, everyone be safe out there. We'll try to get another podcast out to you soon so we can keep you listening. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Be safe, be safe and be healthy, everybody. We love you. All right. Peace. We out. I'm Brian Colburn. And I'm Jay Sweet. And we're the co-hosts of Tune Styles, a podcast aimed at the music nerd in us all. Each listener-interactive episode hones in on a different musical topic or artist. Featuring guest interviews, listener polls, and roundtable discussions about the music that shaped the soundtrack to our lives. You can find us at ToonStylesPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Subscribe to ToonStyles and be a part of our weekly musical conversation. Stay Stay tuned. Hey, this is Kenny with Earfloss, a music history podcast. Earfloss is a bi-weekly music history podcast where each episode, me and a co-host, usually Natalia, take an in-depth look at a different band or musician from all genres and all times. We go into their life, their career, their history, and we talk about their music. You can find Earfloss on CastBox at castbox.fm or wherever you listen to podcasts. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Check it out. Earfloss, a music history podcast.